Welcome to Week in Review, where we recap issues and events pertinent to Central Illinois. I'm WNBD News Director Cooper Banks. History is made at the High Court. President Joe Biden with reaction from the White House this week. Today is a, uh, it's not hyperbole to suggest, a very solemn moment. Today, the Supreme Court of the United States expressly took away a constitutional right from the American people that it had already recognized. They didn't limit it, they simply took it away. That's never been done to a right so important to so many Americans. But they did it. It's a sad day for the court and for the country. Fifty years ago, Roe v. Wade was decided and has been the law of the land since then. This landmark case protected woman's right to choose, her right to make intensely personal decisions with her doctor, free from the, inter- from the interference of politics. It reaffirmed basic principles of equality, that women have the power to control their own destiny, and it reinforced a fundamental right of privacy, a right of each of us to choose how to live our lives. Now, with Roe gone, let's be very clear. The health and life of women in this nation are now at risk. As chairman and ranking member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, as vice president and now as president of the United States, I've studied this case carefully. I've overseen more Supreme Court confirmations than anyone today, where this case was always discussed. I believe Roe v. Wade was the correct decision as a matter of constitutional law and application of the fundamental right to privacy and liberty in matters of family and personal autonomy. It was a decision on a complex matter. It drew a careful balance between a woman's right to choose earlier in her pregnancy and the state's ability to regulate later in her pregnancy. A decision with broad national consensus that most Americans of faith and backgrounds found acceptable and that had been the law of the land for most of the lifetime of Americans today. And it was a constitutional principle upheld by justices appointed by Democrat and Republican presidents alike. Roe v. Wade was a 7-2 decision written by a justice appointed by a Republican president, Richard Nixon. In the five decades that followed Roe v. Wade, justices appointed by Republican presidents from Eisenhower, Nixon, and Reagan, George W. Bush were among the justices who voted to uphold the principles set forth in Roe v. Wade. It was three justices named by one president, Donald Trump, who were the core of today's decision to upend the scales of justice and eliminate a fundamental right for women in this country. Make no mistake, this decision is a culmination of a deliberate effort over decades to upset balance of our law. It's a realization of an extreme ideology and a tragic error by the Supreme Court, in my view. The Court has done what it has never done before, expressly take away a constitutional right that is so fundamental to so many Americans that it had already been recognized. The Court's decision to do so will have real and immediate consequences. State laws banning abortion are automatically taking effect today 
jeopardizing the health of millions of women, some without exceptions. So extreme that women could be punished for protecting their health. So extreme that women and girls were forced to bear their rapist child. With the child, a consequence. It just, it just stuns me. So extreme that doctors will be criminalized for fulfilling their duty to care. Imagine having a young woman have to ch carry the child of incest as a consequence of incest. No option. Too often the case, the poor women are going to be hit the hardest. It's cruel. In fact, the court laid out state laws criminalizing abortion that go back to the 1800s <laughs> as rationale. The court literally taking America back 150 years. This is a sad day for the country, in my view. But it doesn't mean the fight's over. This fall, we must elect more senators and representatives who will codify women's right to choose into federal law once again. Elect more state leaders to protect this right at the local level. We need to restore the protections of Roe as law of the land. We need to elect officials who will do that. This fall, Roe is on the ballot. Personal freedoms are on the ballot. The right to privacy, liberty, equality, they're all on the ballot. Until then, I will do all of my power to protect a woman's right in states where they will face the consequences of today's decision. While well, the court's decision cast a dark shadow over a large swath of the land, many states in this country still recognize a woman's right to choose. So, if a woman lives in a state that restricts abortion, the Supreme Court's decision does not prevent her from traveling from her home state to the state that allows it. It does not prevent a doctor in that state, in that state, from treating her. As the Attorney General has made clear, women must re remain free to travel safely to another state to seek care they need. My administration will defend that bedrock right. If any state or local official, high or low, tries to interfere with a woman's ex exercise in her basic right to travel, I will do everything in my power to fight that deeply un-American attack. My administration will also protect a woman's access to medications that are approved by the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, like contraception, which is essential for preventative health care, mifeprestone, which the FDA approved 20 years ago to safely end early pregnancies and is commonly used to treat miscarriages. Some states are saying that they'll try to ban or severely restrict access to these medications. But extremist governors and state legislators are looking to block the mail or search a person's medicine cabinet or control a woman's actions by tracking data on her apps she uses are wrong and extreme and out of touch with the majority of Americans. I call on everyone, no matter how deeply they care about this decision, to keep all protests peaceful. Peaceful, peaceful, peaceful. No intimidation. Violence is never acceptable.
threats and intimidation are not speech. We must stand against violence in any form, regardless of your rationale. Second, I know so many of us are frustrated and disillusioned that the Court has taken something away that's so fundamental. I know so many women are now going to face incredibly difficult situations. I hear you. I support you. I stand with you. The consequences and the consensus of the American people, core principles of equality, liberty, dignity, and the stability of the rule of law demand that Roe should not have been overturned. With this decision, the conservative majority of the Supreme Court shows how extreme it is, how far removed they are from the majority of this country. It made the United States an outlier among developed nations in the world. But this decision must not be the final word. My administration will use all of its appropriate lawful powers. But Congress must act. And with your vote, you can act. You can have the final word. This is not over. Thank you very much. Next, we'll have the reaction from the executive in Illinois, Governor J.B. Pritzker. It's a moment many social conservatives and Republican politicians in America have been waiting more than 40 years to see, and there's a lot of celebration at the high court ruling against an overturning Roe v. Wade this week. However, we do continue hearing from opponents in high authority here at home, like Illinois Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker, who spoke on the issue earlier this week. We knew this day was coming. The extremists on the Supreme Court have made an abhorrent decision, one rooted in partisan games, leaving an indelible stain on our nation. Overturning Roe v. Wade directly contradicts the nation's history of expanding rights in the United States. It's an attack on freedom and liberty that our Constitution is supposed to guarantee. Right now, it's abortion that they're taking away. Next, it will be birth control and other contraceptives. Next, fertility treatment. They are coming to take away women's power to become mothers at the time of their choosing. And they are allowing states to criminalize the exercise of reproductive rights. Women and their doctors are now threatened with going to prison or being bankrupted because of the radical majority Donald Trump and his right-wing allies created on the Supreme Court. Here we are, exactly at the point many of us feared and even predicted. Privacy rights are being eviscerated right before our very eyes. If they can take away your ability to control your own body, there's not much that stops them from making marriage equality illegal and taking away employment protections for your beliefs or your orientation. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. We are headed down a dangerous spiral that will erode our democracy. This attack on personal rights is not new in the world. We've read this book before. I've read this book before. Maybe the Supreme Court will now authorize burning that book. 
If you want a glimpse into the future, you can look to our past. Just a few miles away from here, at the old Cook County Hospital, there was a wing once known as Ward 41. Ward 41 was dedicated to what they used to call septic obstetrics, or in layman's terms, botched abortions. From 1961 to 1965 alone, Ward 41 doctors managed the aftermath of over 20,000 illegal abortions. Because abortions were illegal, desperate women sought out desperate solutions. Hospital professionals from back then say what they saw was nothing short of horrific. Disturbing memories etched into their minds for eternity. They treated women who burned their insides with bleach and peroxide. Women whose uteruses were perforated with paintbrushes, cocktail stirrers, knitting needles, and wire coat hangers. Women who were nearly dead due to unimaginable blood loss and advanced sepsis. These women saw no other choice. They risked their lives out of desperation for just a semblance of control, and far too many died. Before Roe v. Wade, criminal abortions were the leading cause of maternal death in the United States by a seven to one margin. Those who did not die were left infertile, in perpetual pain, and permanently traumatized. I'm thinking about those women, those we've lost, and those who've been harmed. We cannot allow their deaths to be in vain. Make no mistake, in the many states where they will be illegal, abortions will continue. Now they will also be dangerous, they will be secretive, and they will be deadly. I'm here to say we cannot go back to Ward 41, Illinois. In Illinois, we will not go back to Ward 41. And for all the women whose fundamental rights have been taken away today, we stand with you. We will raise our voices, we will open our arms to help you, and we will protect your rights. To the right-wing office holders who today are cheering the Supreme Court's ruling, get your iron boot off women's necks. Hop off your high horse and know that what you're calling a celebration of life today will actually lead to death. The death of women in abusive situations, the death of women whose health is at risk, the death of women and girls who will still seek abortions, ones that are unsafe and performed by unqualified back alley butchers. Let me make this explicit and clear to women throughout our state, throughout the Midwest and our nation. Illinois will be a safe haven for the exercise of your reproductive rights. In Illinois, Roe v. Wade is still the law, and it will remain the law as long as we have a pro-choice legislature and a pro-choice governor. Here, we trust you to make your own decisions about your reproductive health. We will defend your right to bodily autonomy. In Illinois, we will hold firm to these rights and continue to work with stakeholders, many of whom are standing with me now, to expand them. To that end, 
I am informing the General Assembly that I will be calling them into special session in the coming weeks to more firmly protect women's reproductive rights in Illinois and address the challenges posed by this radical Supreme Court decision. I'm grateful to have the support and partnership of House Speaker Emanuel Chris Welch and Senate President Don Harmon in this effort. Together, the Democratic leadership in Illinois is committed to taking swift action to further enshrine our commitment to reproductive health care. I want to close by speaking to those who have the most at stake in today's decision. To the single mom juggling four kids and three part-time jobs, Illinois will fight for you. To the teenage child who endured rape or incest, Illinois will fight for you. To the marginalized and most vulnerable who are being attacked at every turn by transphobic or misogynistic or bigoted politicians, Illinois will fight for you. We will not turn back the clock. Here in the land of Lincoln and the home state of Barack Obama, where we were the first to ratify women's suffrage 100 years ago, we will continue to fight for freedom, for liberty, and for justice for all. And now I'd like to bring up to the podium a relentless fighter and the House sponsor of the Reproductive Health Act in Illinois, Representative Kelly Cassidy. Thank you, Governor. Um, I spent the whole summer of 2019 at bill signings with you saying what a difference a governor makes. And that has never been more true than today. Um, I want to lead with such an important piece. I, I want, I, I, it can't be overstated. Abortion remains legal in Illinois. If you have an appointment, keep it. If you were thinking of making an appointment, make it. We are protecting choice in Illinois. As David mentioned, we were supposed to be here celebrating the passage of the uh, bill granting increased access to PEP and PrEP, um, which frankly is another part of the reproductive health spectrum as far as I'm concerned. And it's part of the work that we as a state have been very intentionally taking on to build in these protections, build in access uh, to, to the care that our, that our residents need. Some of us have known this day was coming for years, looking at you, Colleen, um, and others, uh, but Colleen and I have been working on this together for a very long time. On the way, a big visit by the former vice president. It was the massive event to kick off this last week, the traditional Peoria-Tazewell County Lincoln Day Dinner Fundraising event. And organizers, along with help from Republican Congressman Darren LaHood, managed to land a pretty big guest, former Republican Vice President Mike Pence. His appearance, perhaps a bit controversial to some, served as a rallying cry for all Republicans ahead of this year's midterm election. Well, hello, Peoria! It is wonderful to be here. 
I want to thank the congressman for that overly generous introduction. He knows me well enough to know that uh, the introduction I prefer is a little bit shorter. I'm a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican in that order, and I am honored to be here tonight, five months away from a great Republican victory all across Illinois and all across America. Man, I do want to thank your great congressman, Congressman Darren LaHood. I served with his dad, and I say this with great affection for his father. He is a huge improvement. <laughs> Ray wouldn't mind that. I don't figure a little bit. We were swapping notes a little bit. We had a couple of great events up in Chicago. I told him my son, Michael. He's a captain in the United States Marine Corps. And I said, I think you and, you and your, da your dad and I have something in common. We both, we both uh, improved on the 2.0 model. <laughs> so thank you very much, uh, Darren. Thank you for your incredible leadership. I think you all can sense in a very short period of time, Congressman LaHood has emerged as one of the premier conservative leaders in what will soon be a Republican majority in the United States House of Representatives when we retire Nancy Pelosi once and for all. And I also have to tell you, it's been my great honor today to be out campaigning as well with someone who I know is going to be a leader the day she arrives on Capitol Hill. She came within just a whisker with all of your support just a few short years ago. And uh, everybody was figuring there'd be a rematch in that congressional race, but uh, like an awful lot of Democrats around the country, <laughs> her opponent decided to uh, retire. <laughs> so would you join me in getting on your feet and thanking the next great congresswoman for the state of Illinois, Esther Joy King, is going to Congress. I had to get you that standing ovation because Congressman LaHood just got one. <laughs> so thank you all for being here tonight. Really is an honor to be here for the Peoria County and Tazewell County Lincoln Day Dinner in the land of Lincoln. You can give yourselves a round of applause. He moved here. We're still not over. I had a portrait of Abraham Lincoln in my office at the White House and uh, I often introduced him as uh, an Indiana president, <laughs> but I know he moved here. And, uh, but I'll tell you what, to be here among so many people, not only in the land of Lincoln, but the home state of Ronald Reagan, I got to tell you, people of Illinois, you know how to launch great conservative leaders, and you're going to send Darren LaHood back to Congress, and you're going to send Esther Joy King to Congress to keep that great conservative tradition going. I just know it. So thank you all. 
Thanks for coming out tonight. It really is a joy for me. And I do want to thank Jim Rule and Stephen Morris for putting together a great event for your state Republican chairman, Don Tracy, and your RNC committeeman, Richard Porter. It is exciting to be with all of you. You know, I was very moved when the chairman just quoted our 16th president in those epic words that it is, it falls to us the living to continue the great work. Our 40th president, speaking, I think, in the same tradition, said, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. And I just came really tonight not only to tell you how excited I am about these great candidates, but also simply to say thank you. Thank you for your support during the four years of the Trump-Pence administration. Thank you for your prayers. It was the greatest honor of my life to serve as your vice president. But men and women, we've only just begun because we're going to win it all back. You know, when I think about the four years that we had together, it was uh, incredible. I'm kind of reminded of a new pastor that started at a country church in Indiana. He wanted to mix things up a little bit, Esther, so what he did was he announced he was going to do a Sunday night service at the little church out by the cornfield. So he put it in the bulletin, 6 o'clock Sunday night service, and as the story goes, only one lonely farmer showed up for that first service, Darren. The pastor walked up to him and he said, well, what do you think we ought to do? And the farmer was holding his hat in his hand. He said, well, Reverend, I don't know much about preaching. I don't know much about the Bible, but one thing I do know, when I call my cows in to feed them and only one comes, I still feed them. pastor thought there was some timeless wisdom in that, Father. So he, uh, he ushered that farmer in. He sat him on the front row. He stepped up behind that lectern. He opened up that 20-pound Bible. And an hour and a half later, he mopped his brow, and he walked out of the back of the church, stuck his hand out, and said, well, what did you think? And that farmer said, well, Reverend, I don't know much about preaching. I don't know much about running a church. He said, but I do know, you know, when I call my cows... Uh, in to feed them and only one comes, I don't give them the whole load. <laughs> so you haven't been fed yet, so I, I, you know what, I'm not going to give you the whole load. But I couldn't be more proud of what we accomplished 48 months of the Trump-Pence administration, the lowest unemployment, highest household incomes, most energy production, most pro-American trade deals, the most secure border, and the strongest military the history has ever known. We did that. We did that. With your support, we revived the American economy, cut taxes across the board. Congressman LaHood, thank you for being such a great champion. Serving on the Ways and Means Committee for advancing the largest tax cuts and tax reform in American history. We rolled back regulations. The result, seven million good-paying jobs. And we unleashed American energy. You know, one of the advantages of no longer being vice president is that I get to drive my own car. One of the disadvantages is I get to pay for my own gas. <laughs> well, under our administration, we unleashed American energy, and the United States became a net exporter of energy for the first time in 70 years. We held China accountable for years of trade abuses. We reduced illegal immigration at our southern border by 90 percent, 
and we saw 300 conservative judges appointed to our federal courts at every level, including Justice Neil Gorsuch, Justice Brett Kavanaugh, and Indiana's Justice Amy Coney Barrett. And I must tell you, I couldn't be more proud to have served in the most pro-life administration in American history. We stood every day for the sanctity of human life. We stood every day for the values that make this country strong and great. But how times have changed. I expect you're here tonight, this record crowd, because uh, like me, you're deeply concerned about the direction of this country. And as Congressman LaHood said just a few moments ago, and the chairman said from this podium, you're not willing to stand on the sidelines and watch. You are stepping forward, and with your help and God's help, we're going to take America back. We're back with former Vice President Mike Pence and his comments visiting at last week's Lincoln Day Dinner fundraiser in Peoria. And maybe one of the most troubling aspects of the past year has been the Biden administration's wholehearted embrace of the woke left's all-encompassing assault on our culture and values. Under the Biden administration, cancel culture is being pushed to all new extremes. Patriotic education has been replaced by political indoctrination. They abolished the 1776 Commission and authorized the teaching of what's known as critical race theory in our schools. You know, this weekend we mark an epic moment in the history of freedom in this country, the Juneteenth holiday. It marks that day in 1865 when General Order 3 was issued that ended slavery for all African Americans. And we do right on this day to remember all of those who suffered under the evil of slavery and to celebrate the incalculable contributions that African Americans have made in freedom ever since. But here in the land of Lincoln, it's important to know that even as we celebrate that steady march toward a more perfect union, instead of teaching our children to be proud of their country, critical race theory teaches children as young as kindergarten to be ashamed of their skin color. Now let me be clear, on this Juneteenth, critical race theory is nothing less than state sponsored racism and it should be rejected in every school, in every community, in every state in the nation. But all of that being said, the Democrats' agenda of decline and decay. The truth is, the Republican Party is on a roll. America has already started a comeback. We see it in this crowd tonight. I see it everywhere I go. It's extraordinary, the enthusiasm across the country. And the truth is, even in the last election, we gained 15 seats in the House of Representatives. Nationwide, 10 million more votes. We had the highest total uh, of a Republican ticket in history and the highest proportion of African Americans and Hispanic Americans in 60 years. And in just the last year and a half, we actually elected a Republican governor in the blue state of Virginia. And 
In New Jersey, voters delivered the biggest Republican gains in two decades, and my personal favorite is the Democrat Senate Majority Leader at the State House in New Jersey was defeated by a truck driver who raised $150 for his campaign and spent half of it at Dunkin' Donuts. I'm telling you. The American people are rising up. I was in San Francisco a couple of months ago. I was speaking at Stanford, and almost everybody stayed. <laughs> but that very same week, Congressman, true story, the people in San Francisco, the most liberal city in America, the people of San Francisco rose up and threw out three school board members that were spending more time trying to rename schools than they were trying to reopen schools. And last week, they fired a woke local prosecutor and said, we're going to have law and order. Wow. So come on, Illinois. If San Francisco can do it, Illinois can do it. But I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be encouraged tonight. I really do. I'm not going to go on much longer. I, I never like to stand between people and their dinner. I'm really honored you invited me tonight. I really am. A neighbor just next door. I, I just want to tell you that... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not only incredibly optimistic about this, but based on what I see every day, but it's also that we've seen this movie before. I mean, let me take you back to 2010. Okay, this table, too young to remember it, except for the congressman. <laughs> I was the Republican conference chairman in the Republican minority in the House of Representatives. I was traveling the country just like Congressman LaHood is doing, supporting the cause, supporting candidates just like Esther. We had a new Democrat president. We had a Democrat majority led by Harry Reid in the Senate, and Nancy Pelosi was Speaker of the House. Sound familiar? I mean, I was the third most powerful, irrelevant Republican in the United States House of Representatives. I really was. But we went out and we told our story. We held the other side accountable. We offered a positive, conservative, unapologetic vision for America grounded in American ideals. Come Election Day 2010, we won 63 seats in the House of Representatives. We retired Nancy Pelosi, and we're going to do it all again in 2022. So buckle up, because common sense is making a great comeback. And the Republican Party is leading the way. And I'm seeing the dedication of grassroots Republicans in every city and town that I visit. It really is incredible. I went to my high school reunion, my 45th high school <laughs> That hurt. <laughs> Just last Friday night in Columbus, Indiana. I'm a Columbus North grad. We've got two here. So... But I'm there, I'm meeting friends, I don't know, if you've been to your high school reunion, it's, I mean, it's great, because everybody just reverts. Every, you know, I wasn't like the vice president, it's just Mike is back, right? And I was talking to people, and people who I know, one conversation after another, they'd kind of start by going, you know, Mike, I mean, I've known you a long time, and you know, haven't always agreed with your politics, but you know what, we need you guys back. 
I mean, everywhere I go, people are rallying around the cause. And I, I just want you to be encouraged. I want you to be confident. I think Republicans have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. If we'll simply hold the banner of conservative values high and unapologetically. And the truth is, the American people, the American people want their lives back. They want their freedom back. They want their country back. And it falls to the Republican Party to win it back for the American people. I mean, I think, I think if all of us do all we need to do in between now and Election Day, if we recognize that this is, not, this is not just an opportunity to win, this is an opportunity to set the table for a realignment election in America. One that doesn't come along every generation, it comes along in many multiples of generations. I really believe that in 2022 we have an opportunity to elect women and men across this country, from the State House to the People's House who will lay a foundation to win America back in 2024. But I want to challenge you to do all that you can do. I really do. Because I really do believe if all of us will leave this place tonight and say, you know, I was in Peoria the other day, I ran into Mike Pence, <laughs> and he seemed like he was in a really good mood. I mean, that, I mean he's, he's traveling around the country, and everywhere he goes, he senses this incredible opportunity. And just tell your neighbors and friends, this is the year. It's so like Congressman LaHood just said so eloquently. We always hear about it being the most important election of our lifetime. I think this may be one of the most important elections in the life of this nation. We are going to choose whether we are going to continue down a steady path of decline driven by the socialist policies of the American left and the Democratic Party completely overtaken by the radical left, or whether we're going to plant our feet and turn the ship of state back on a direct course for freedom and boundless opportunity for every American, regardless of race or creed or color. That's the Republican vision. Pence drumming up support among Republican voter base and the wealthy donors ahead of the midterm elections. That does it for this edition of Week in Review. Join us at this time next week on this Midwest 360 station for another recap of some of the biggest issues and events in central Illinois. I'm Cooper Banks, WNBD News.